Sentire Media Hot mic, hot mic, here we go. Take two. All right, thank you so much for downloading the podcast from Italy. My name is Jason. I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Ashley. Together we run, own, and operate a agriturismo called La Tavola Marche in the foothills of the Apennine Mountains in a little town called Piobico. Ciao, tutti. Thank you so much. Today is the 7th of September. It's 8.06 in the morning, and we're going to do this quick and dirty this morning. You kind of have your radio voice on. Hey! <laughs> Boomer in the nudge. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's jump right in then. Let's jump right in. It's been a, it's been a minute since we have done a podcast, and that's because um, August is August is a busy, busy month, and we really... We were hot. We, the last one you heard it, we were hot and we were kind of pissy. <laughs> so we're going to try to keep this one a little more positive. We're going to have more pause mens. Uh-huh. Those mm-hmm. are positive mentions. Oh, okay. And uh, like I said, let's just jump right into it. So what's been going on, Jay? Well, a- Ashley, thank you so much for asking. Uh, <laughs> August came and went and um, it brought heat and... and um, unhappiness <laughs> the uh the tree no i'm kidding it was just a it was one of the hottest summers we've had um the hottest driest summers we've had and it's kind of starting to break um it's like nature flipped the switch and all of a sudden the the air feels cooler and it's not in the hundreds anymore but we're still dry we're still dry we need the rain it looks it's the beginning of september and even at the end of august it was already looking like mid-october with the leaves on the ground and the rustling just everything's yeah given up in that sense yeah trees are given <laughs> up they're like screw it we'll try it again next year uh it's just not <laughs> happening um my tomatoes are pretty much uh yeah, maybe one more go through we'll have um other things in the garden the pumpkins are done we picked them and brought them up the uh the onions, um, what else is coming up out of there? Peppers and, you know, all the, it, basically all the, all the summer stuff is winding, coming, coming and, to a close. And thanks, still we're having the effects of the snow and um, uh, frost that we got in April. And no apples on our trees this year either. We didn't get any plums. We didn't get any fruit. No cherries, and we're not going to get any apples. It's just a bummer because it's one of those things where it was one day, two days in April, but look how it's lasted, and you see the effects all season long. The uh, hills right now are alive with the sound of horsepower. The uh, tractors, you hear the dull the dull drone of um, diesel engines uh, through the hills as every all the farmers are tilling the fields and flipping them over, getting ready to plant their cover crops. Autumn uh, wood, we have piles of wood stacked up all over the valley as um, the wood that they fell in the spring and then um, started to pull out in the summer. They're now stacking on the sides of the roads in preparation to move it on to its final destination, wherever that is. And not to mention, hunting season has begun. So when you said the hills were alive, I thought you were going to say of gunshots. Well, there hasn't been many gunshots, <laughs> No, but it's when it's this, it's this thing that's so funny because we're out here in the middle of nowhere. You don't see a neighbor. We talk about neighbors all the time, and guests are like, who are these neighbors? I don't see anyone. But you'll hear... You'll hear these shouts and calls and just bells. echoed out in the um, hills and woods and the bells and like a random <clears throat> dog barking. And it's just 
uh, it, it's one of these sounds of autumn that I've come to love. Sometimes it drives me crazy, but it cracks me up at the same time. And just these calls outs and shots. And so autumn is here. And, is and here. you went into town the other day and it was the first day. It smelled like fireplaces. Oh God, it love, wasn't even that hot. I love Italians. So it just wasn't 34 degrees the other day. It was 25. It was just like a 10 degree drop. And I go into town to do a little bit of sh- uh, grocery shopping and I'm like, smell in the air and it's like oh my god all the oldies have lit the fireplaces because we're cold and it's not it's just hysterical only in italy will you see scar people now wearing scarves even though it's still mid high 20s so we're talking like the 80s uh, in fahrenheit scarves and fires are being lit and Mm -hmm. It is. It's a little dangerous. It's a little dangerous out there, that air. (laughs) Uh, Definitely uh, lots of stuff coming up around here in September. This weekend, we have the... First, we went to the we went last weekend to the Angelica Pyre Festival. That's Angelica Pyres. That was in Serungarina, and it How, was what, where Serungarina. Are you sure you got all the vowels in there? Serungarina, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of R's and I's and U's and N's, um, and it's about halfway between here and the coast, close a bit closer to Fano, to be honest, um, to the coast, but. It was classic, sweet little, like tiny little Italian town, and uh, you know, mainly just the locals there, plus us and like a German family or something. That was so obvious; we stuck out like sore thumbs. But uh, it was lovely. They really take the time and decorate the town so sweet with the flags of these uh, little small pears called Angelica pears, and they're famous because they'll say these pears are prehistoric in some parts. They're I was prehistoric. I was looking. That's what Wikipedia said, and that. Um, well, it must be. Yeah, I read it on the internet. The, it must well, be true. Exactly, and that um, really famous in Roman cooking in Roman times. And they're, they're tiny and they're red and green. You'll see them if you're into art history at all. I guess they were painted in a lot of Renaissance paintings and things like that as a very picturesque pair, but they're beautiful. And we had a great, again, we told you guys this before over the summer, when you go to these festivals in Italy, we're meat eaters. We're always drawn to get like the grilled sausage or the mixed grill, trying to cut back on some of the pasta sometimes. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Go for the pasta every goddamn time. They can hook (laughs) up pasta, whether it's for 20 or 20,000. The pasta's always great. We said it. We said it before. We're saying it again. We got the pasta, the ravioli. Filled Uh, with angelica pear, ricotta, and taleggio, a a stronger cheese, uh, melty cheese from up north. Mm -hmm. And then with a little walnut. And it was beautiful. The pasta was 100% homemade, perfectly cooked. When you looked at the meat, it looked like they'd grilled that shit off the night before. (laughs) So... I was happy to take my pasta. And then, of course, you had to get the side of the, d- the mixed desserts of um, With all, all the pear pears. stuff, which wasn't very good. But. No, and the music was hysterical. This was also, this is what I do love about these little festivals. Small town. It's all like, I don't know, families, oldies, little, just tiny town. Kind of like a little Piopico where we live. A couple hundred people live there. They're all there for that dinner. The demographic is definitely older in that sense at this hour well, at this hour oh well we eat early we, we don't <laughs> we eat early it's not that we eat early we're still Four there times. at eight o'clock but it's that we go to these festivals early we go to the festivals with all the children and the pa- the parents and, and the grandparents. grandparents we don't go to the and then by 10 o'clock when the oh. when the kids are come when the younger Hipsters. people are coming we leave so oh, we don't really know what's going on 
It's true. In the evening. Well, the music was hysterically not inappropriate, oh but it just... Inappropriate. <laughs> it was horrible Euro trash <laughs> or oompa music, so but bad. at a volume that was just <laughs> insane. I don't... Who likes this? I don't know. And there wasn't... I don't know. 70, 100 people there in that sense. It was just... I'm not saying that turn the music off or Neither because I. I don't like the music. It shouldn't be on. No. What I'm saying is whatever music you put on does not need to be at a concert level like <laughs> where we're at, you know, Red Rocks and, and we need to amplify this for 100,000 people. Holy shit. It's so loud you could feel the the bass. And this wasn't even like a rap song. This is just some crappy like... We sound so old. And that wasn't even a rap, rap song. <laughs> I'm, I don't know about this hip-hop. <laughs> anyway, it's, so, it's hysterical. But there's plenty more festivals coming up throughout the autumn for you to take part in and uh, enjoy the music and the food. So uh, first up this weekend is the Piovico, their big their big event of the year. Um, this year it is the eighth through the tenth, and it is the their Sagra del Polentone. This one is cool. If it doesn't rain and they do it right, it can be really sweet because they set up the polentones, the old school polenta makers that um, make polenta. These old guys who do it in a copper pot over like a teepee, open, open fire, campfire. open fire, yeah. And it is... It's really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's... I have to admit, it was when we first... Are you arrived, talking shit? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, w- welcome to the local gossip section of the podcast. Okay. When we, <laughs> now, I don't know if it's because when we first arrived, we, this was oh. all new to us and everything was delicious and awesome. And now, 10 years in, it's like, eh. But I just kind of think when we first arrived, the polenta at these festivals, it's all about the sauce. Exactly. The sauce that they make is this really rich sauce that takes like four days to make and it's... Uh, since the polenta is such a poor dish, the polenta itself, it's the sauce that you put on that makes it rich and big deal. I just feel like the sauce was done better years gone by. I think it's true, too. And I think it could be the oldies are dying. You th- I think they're cheaping out. Cheaping out? That's what I, I think. This, the recipe doesn't change. I think the I think people who make it, who'd made it before. Went, used the, I think that they used to say get their own tomatoes yep. and use it with their own passata. And now I think they're going to Eurospin and getting, you know two euro giant cans of passata and you can taste it tastes tinny mm-hmm. it's a bummer it is a bummer and i don't talk shit over just one it's been a couple of few years now we'll see maybe but this year will be better it is good if you find it through the little um like homemade cantinas where they open up uh like different homes families will open old i don't even know how it's a, it's a cantina but how do you explain that it's just a, like a this dank, dark room <laughs> that sorry. holds their wine, and it's usually in the old part of town. It's never really open just for festivals. No, but come on in for dinner. That sounds appetizing, yeah. but it's really cute and cool. But uh, this is the one time of year that I do enjoy the polenta with the snails. Yeah, I think the done one with in the, the piobacase yeah. style, which is with the wild fennel and the red sauce um, with the tomatoes. That is good. I do look forward to that from the one family. That's the um, the pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll have to look for the pharmacist. Now, this polenta that we're talking about is more like a casserole. And how, oh, what do I point. mean by this is they make the polenta very, very thick, and then they dump it out onto a table over on a wet sheet and allow it to harden. And then you take a piece of string and you tie it around your finger and you cut the polenta with the string into pieces, into like, uh, like you would slices. Go. Like a, like a, like when you're making cinnamon rolls, almost how you cut the dough with a string. Yeah, 
Um, and then you make a casserole sauce, polenta, parmesan cheese, sauce, polenta, parmesan cheese in a big like lasagna dish. And then you throw it back in the oven for 15 minutes just to warm it up. And then you eat it. Um, so it's not maybe how you've had polenta in other places where it's more like a porridge, more liquidy. This is not liquidy. This is dense. It's a brick. Mm-hmm. And when you eat it, it stays in your stomach like it's a, a brick. brick. It's a brick. It's going to stay with it. Now, That's we learned something from Franchino. Franchino is the master polentone um, from Piovico. And he taught us because we sat there and watched him eat three plates one day. And this guy is tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny, tiny old guy. And we go uh, after it. I uh, go... Frankino, how do you do that? What's up? How'd you eat all that? He goes, the secret is you don't drink anything. He says, you eat polenta and you, you, you don't drink any water, any wine, any anything because that fills you up. You've got to have room for the polenta. And then at the end, you drink. And um, God damn, he ate a lot of polenta. I don't know where he puts that polenta at. Um, so that's a really fun one. And also during the, that polenta festival, uh, it's the Club di Brutti, the ugly club. And they do a big um, inductions to the club and you can go and join and be evaluated on your ugliness. It's fun. It's a really cheesy, silly thing, but it's they have a good time with so it. So that's happening this weekend in Piobico. Um, the Palio della Rocca in Serra Sant'Abondio. Where mm-hmm. the hell is that? This is all Pesa Urbino. So you don't have any idea either. Okay. Um, oh, Festa di, della Patata Tartufo Neo del Monte Montone? Where's Monte Montone? Monte Copiolo. Again, between here and oh the coast. Oh, my God. You have no idea. <laughs> if all, these are all... You're blowing me up. These are all places about within 20 minutes, okay, 45 this, minutes away. This one I do know. It's the it's the uh, Mushroom Festival, Festa del, del Fungo, and it's the... Um, Sabato, 23rd of September to the 1st of October, and that is in San Sisto, Pian di Maletto. I have been to San Sisto, and I do know where Pian di Maletto is. Yes. That's a real mushroomy area. Real, real fungi. Real fungi. Um, Speaking of fungi, the talk of town has been the... We'll wait to do the October one. Yeah, we'll wait next Um, time. We'll keep it as a cliffhanger. (laughs) So the talk in town has been that the uh, the truffle season is going to be rough. Uh, we didn't get any rain this year, and we need rain in July and August to bring the truffles in October, September, October. Um, how do we know it's rough? Because there are no cars in our little parking lot, which there should be at least three or four, and we know who, what cars they are every morning um, for the truffle. Pardon me for the truffle hunters. So. It doesn't mean that there won't be any truffles. It just means that this is kind of a supply and demand kind of thing. The demand is always there and the supply is not this year. So guess what's going to happen to the price? Hot. Hot. Hot price. Hot price. We could see we could see war out in those. Oh, seriously. as It's really interesting. As the price of truffles goes up, we've noticed the shenanigans oh, go yeah. up too. So when truffles start to get about four or five grand a kilo... Um, you see dogs, you see people poisoning dogs, you see people popping tires, you see um, a lot hunting of... Hunting at night. Hunting at night, truffle hunting at night. Um, you see a lot <laughs> of shit go down. It's uh, real shady. It real real shady, shady out here. Real quick. And that's because five grand a kilo is a lot of money. And if you, you know... Yeah. You, you knock out a couple of truffle hunters that uh, that are that are your competition, and you can make some money. Well, especially when there's nothing else. There's, and there's nothing out there. Mm-hmm. So, 
I'm prepared. Thank God we don't. We're not in this. Honestly, I, I have no desire to get into the truffle game. Um, it's just. It's just not. I'm just not interested. No, but we are doing a truffle holiday. <laughs> well, I'll cook with them. I didn't no, say I don't like. Well, to what eat I was going to say was, even for those coming out, if you um, are interested in truffles, and even if it's not a great truffle year, we're doing a cool truffle hunting um, package. No. Because why I'm saying this is, we do not um, go and place the truffles ahead of time or anything like that, which definitely is common practice with some. Um, truffle hunters in different areas of Italy, but it's to see what do you really go through to find these. And some days it's nothing. So it's kind of a dirty jobs almost look into it's, um, you're not just following a little trail. It's you're climbing along the edge of a ravine and, um, following the dog and digging into the side of the earth. And, uh, it's much more active and, um, strenuous than you might imagine. And again, you might pull up with nothing. Or you might end up finding something worth a fortune. We're also going to go to our friend Roberto down the road. He has created a cultivated truffle farm, if you will. Yeah, well, when we say cultivated, you can't cultivate truffles really. But what you can do is make the environment to which they like to grow, you can plant that and and cultivate that and hope and then inoculate the soil and hopefully the truffles will come. Um, But he's doing more of kind of an interactive... um, call it a workshop, a tour and understanding a bit more about the, the soil and what is needed to grow where when you're out in the woods going truffle hunting with a dog, you're going because you're following that dog and the dog's in charge where at Roberto's, it's a bit more of a relaxed setting. Uh, it's not because it's called, cause it's, it's a field. It's, it's a, a field. cultivated exactly. field. You don't have to go hiking. It's just, uh, so it'll be really interesting. And then we're also going to go to one of the truffle festivals and hopefully there'll be truffles there too. There will be truffles. When we say mm-hmm. it's a bad truffle year, we don't mean that the, that the, it's like, uh, like a bad orange year where there are the, all the things freeze and there's no orange. It just means that there's not a lot of them, mm-hmm. but guess what? They will be much more pungent this year. Oh my God. Yeah. I think so too. Yes. So should we talk a little bit about, um, the misunderstandings about like truffle dinners and truffle cooking classes? Well, sure. Um, People tend to ask in emails if they get to keep the truffles they find on the truffle hunt. And I tell them, I have no idea. It all depends on the truffle hunter, you, the season, and the the size of the truffle you find. (laughs) If you're having a great afternoon with that hunter and a real nice rapport, and you find something about the size of a uh, walnut or a walnut or something, he'll probably give it to you as a nice experience that you guys had together. It doesn't, it's no sweat off his back. And because it's, the, some of them, if they're misshapen or mm-hmm. like, m- m- uh, not perfect on one side and the other side's still good. Usually the truffle hunters will clean those up and sell them at a discounted price. Kind of like, um, second fruit, like bruised fruit. Or yeah. Something. Good. Uh, good example. Um, there's nothing wrong with them, but the restaurants and the, the, the resellers, the commerciante, the, um, what do you call it? Commerciante for commercial. Truck. Yeah. They, they want the pretty, the pretty best ones, obviously. Mm-hmm. So he might gift you one of those if it's a bad se- uh, expensive season, like we're talking about right now, like Helly is that, you know, you spent a hundred bucks on your truffle hunt. Yes. But he's going to sell this little thing, like this cost. This little 500. Truck, 500. Um, or well, most likely you'll always taste. That's what I was going to say. Most likely you'll always taste it. But I try to explain like if you went diamond, um, what, what do you call that? Panning or not diamond hunting? <laughs> you, 
Um, uh, Someone took you to their diamond mind and you guys are running around and find a diamond. You don't get to keep that diamond. No, this is your, you're just accompanying them for the experience to see how this is done. So it's, uh, oh, you see um, anything we find here is mine. So I get to keep all the truffles we find? No. No. (laughs) Let's talk also about truffle dinners and truffle cooking classes. Um, I find that people don't have an appreciation for how or, understanding. M- or understanding of how much truffle you need for a class or a truffle dinner and that those truffles will outprice the cost of dinner by 20 fold. So <laughs> if you want to take no a, joke, no joke. So if you go to a truffle dinner and the truffle and they don't tell you same. I tell people this with risotto all the time. If you go and order a risotto in the, in a restaurant and they don't tell you it's going to be a certain amount of time, or there's not some special, uh, note, some note yeah. <laughs> to the risotto, then they're not really making, they're not making risotto in the proper way. They're making it halfway, f- cooling it down. And then when you order it, they're throwing it in the pan and stirring it back up and bringing it back to life. If you take, if you go to have a truffle dinner and they don't say, well, it's market price or it's, you know, expensive you're not you're either a not really getting um real truffles real white truffles or b uh there's not a lot of them Mm -mm. it's not really it's so what the what are some of the things that they'll do what are some of the bullshitty things that they'll do they will put infuse truffle into something so they'll use truffle oil and then put one or two shaves on the top so you think oh this is filled with truffles it's like no it's filled with perfume and it has one slice of truffle on the top uh they'll use um a mix of truffles so you could say so like oh we're doing a white truffle uh dinner but i'm gonna throw a bunch of black in there too because black are like like a fifth of the price and it will bulk it out with the black truffles so there's a or maybe they're putting more on because it's an old ass truffle old ass truffle so (laughs) if you go into a restaurant and they say would you like us to shave the truffle you ask them when did you get it because the people coming out of these truffle hunters coming out of these woods say it should be eaten within 48 hours of unearthing it to have its maximum potential now of course the same is true with vegetables coming out of the garden. The vegetables, after 48 hours out of the garden, lose taste too. But within a week or so, I would say maybe two at the most, we've had waiters from the – we've had people who work in the restaurant industry in New York City come and say, oh, yeah, we've had a truffle in our little fridge uh, for like months. Mm-hmm. Whenever some idiot oh, – we break it out and shave it over. Don't do it, guys. If you want – here's the deal. You can fly to Italy, come and have a truffle dinner, fly home back to the States or back to Northern Europe for less than the price of the, of the, of the dinner you will have in New York, London, whatever. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, it's, a, it's like the beers. They've created this market through tomfoolery and, and, and hype. Mm-hmm. Right? So when people come out here and say, oh, we, we want to take a cooking class. And it's like, all right, I need 50 to a hundred grams of truffles to do a proper cooking class with truffles. Now, if we go by the prices, which are um, estimated for this year, 5,000 euros a kilo, that means your truffles to put on here will be between 250 and 500 euros just for the truffles. That doesn't include the class or or the dinner. Or the dinner or anything. You want to go and sit at a truffle dinner? Fine. I need 50 eh, 50 grams of truffles for a truffle dinner. Okay, that's 250 euros. My my dinners are what? 38. 38. (laughs) All include, like, uh, it's a fixed price. So, yes, I would be more than happy to do a truffle dinner for you. 
But <laughs> you have to understand from- there's a reality to this that if you want a that you know what what I can do one th- I can give you a little truffle crostini or something if you just want to taste, but that's twenty five bucks worth of truffle. So people don't have a um, an understanding of they got the the champagne taste on the beer budget. I want the truffle class, but ooh, I don't want to pay for them. Or mm-hmm. I want a truffle dinner, but ooh, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like yeah, these things cost money. You want the creme de la creme, you want the caviar, but you don't want don't want to pay for it. It's like we went to uh, Barcelona once during the they have these beautiful red prawns um and they're huge and delicious and super sweet but freaking expensive from the mediterranean from the mediterranean so we go and sit down i'm like i want these red prawns and, then, and we were at this at what trended ended up to be a really stupid hipster stupid stupid place that make you sit on these bean bed oh, anyway <laughs> um, so i'm like yeah i want we want the red prawns uh he's uh, right uh, 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 <laughs> a la plancha on the on the gr- on the flat top and the guy goes okay and um Says they're expensive. I go, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I, mean, I don't remember how many price. Were, He goes, they are market price. Yeah, whatever. So we ordered, I don't know, 10, five apiece. They come back and bring it. It was like 80 bucks for 10 shrimp. But uh, listen, we, uh, these were the most incredible shrimp I've ever had. And we're there to do this. And it's like, yes, I understand that. But he brought out. But he brought out the receipt. weight of them and how much it would cost. Yeah. Because I'm sure he's been d- done this a exactly. hundred times when people are like, yeah, bring, bring us enough for two. And then you get it. And it's like 80 bucks for, for shrimp for two. Well, yeah, that's the price mm-hmm. of it. But so, look at that. We're still talking about these goddamn red shrimp. Oh, all God. These they, years, I like, ate the two shells and everything. I ate the heads. So they were delicious. <laughs> So please keep that in mind, guys. You get what you pay for. There's no free lunches in this. There's no discounts. Uh, it's kind of like when you buy um, metals or like the the pans. You get what you pay for. Metal costs money. The truffles cost money. The you, there's no getting getting around this fact. No, and even at the festivals for the truffles here, it's still the wine is you know. Two, two bucks, bucks for, the whole, for the whole bottle. Everything's um, just the exact same normal price. But then when you have the pasta with, with the, the truffles, truffles, it'll be 15, 18 euros. That's what exactly what I was going to say, which normally it might be 10. Well, 10, no, wasn't eight. the one I had the other night. That's because it was really good. That's because it was all the homemade. It was homemade ravioli. Mm-hmm. That's flavor. But, but normally um, a plate of pasta at these festivals is between six and seven. Exactly. And they'll, they'll double the price for the truffles added in and whatnot. But so I'm saying you'll see it even he, even at the festival. The items with the truffles will get marked up. So to sum up my 10-minute diatribe. (laughs) We were trying to be positive, too. I am. I'm just saying, please know that truffles cost money. If you're going to this autumn, if you find yourself at a truffle dinner and it doesn't cost – you're not paying through the nose, it's probably not real. Speaking of paying through the nose, we were – we won't get into details and pricing, but we've been uh, working on our house hunting. (laughs) We thought we might have found one not far from here, kind of on the other side of the uh, windmills that are at the end of our valley, which we thought you can't get more Italian than that than just going on the other side of the valley, other side of the windmills. And these guys just had such a... we. It's a whole long story, but their idea of a price was so let's just, insane. Let's just put it this way. Italian farmers are not good business people. No. At all. When I, if I asked to see, okay, <laughs> here's my favorite part. This is just one little thing. We asked to see the, um, doing our diligence into the house. So we asked to see the utilities for the last couple of years so we can get an idea of what the utilities are. 
So and how? Yeah, like how's the house working? How's the house working? What's the? What does it look like? Blah blah blah. Um, so we asked at the next meeting we had, which was a week after I sent this email. You know, please can you have the utility bills prepared so we can just have a look at them and see what it is. We get there, no problem. Do you guys have the utility bills? Absolutely. Here comes the shoebox with five years of utility bills just dumped on the table. Oh, yeah, like literally dumped on the table. It wasn't like, well, it's a shoebox, but it's organized. No. Dumped on the table. It's like, oh, well, we start going through them. It's like, whose house is this? Oh, that's mama's. That's, that's mama's my mom's house. house. <laughs> it's all mixed up. It's all mixed up. There's no inf- – it's just the receipt part. So it's just the payment that you made at the post office. It doesn't have the actual how many kilowatts did you use, how many liters of water did you use, none of the pertinent information that I'm looking for. Just the little tiny receipt from the thing so then when we get to start negotiating they want a number that is so astronomically absurd at we can have any villa in italy for the price that they want and it's way above what they said they were making on the house which was also very confusing and hysterical to us because we're not looking to buy the house so um it's something we've talked about before but uh, it is just, it's a really, oh, the negotiating with Italians, it's a learning curve and we're still part of this process. It can be bang your head against the wall, but at the same time, we're polite Americans when we do this and we immediately say we're very direct when we talk about money in these situations and we don't mean to offend you. Um, but as soon as they sh- said their price, we, we smiled and just immediately just stood up. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, stood up and laughed. And they go, whoa, 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 whoa. What's your price? Like, we're like, whoa. no, it's and so far off. <laughs> it's so far off. And you, you, to me, this is a signal of someone who's not based in the reality of real, realness. So we can never have a business relationship because either you think I'm – either you don't respect me and think I'm stupid or you uh, are – Have such, such an uh, inflated idea of what the price is. And then you're not – then we can never have uh, – no. We'll never come to, de- to terms no. on other things because you, you don't – you're dealing with emotion, not reality. No, the pool needed a new liner, just like this one. So, it, like little things like that, it was just funny. Whatever. So anyway, so we continue to search. Hey, we might be homeless. Who knows? <sighs> we at least we got a van. we got a van. We got the caddy, baby. We got the candy. We could always live in the caddy. How many um, can we fit for a cooking class within the caddy? Hmm. <laughs> we might have to drop the numbers, but um, oh, you know, all the hipsters are uh, selling, uh, getting like trailers and vans and living out of vans, so they they would feel right at home. Maybe if we, we should just uh, camp out in the field. <laughs> there we go. You know, you never know what we're going to do next, you guys. Oh my god! Um, but what we are doing is what is happening here, and this is pretty freaking amazing. Now. Both sets of our fingerprints have been returned by the FBI. Our checks came out clean. I'm not sure if any of you guys were holding your breath and worried, but uh, we are not criminals in the United States. And this means with this document, we can both continue and officially start. Well, we've officially started, but our tenure, our our citizenship. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That took forever. Um, yeah, it took five months to get these stupid um, criminal history reports from the FBI. And finally, they're here. And now we can – the last piece of information for our packets, we can mail them off to Rome. And now we now we can – Wait. Wait. For three years. Three years. <laughs> so we've been here 10. Um, we're eligible to submit for our citizenship. Did we ever even say that? Probably not. I think we've said it before. Anyway, uh, uh, it's just an immigration packet. It's the same crap we give them every year, except now you need this one piece of paper, the criminal history report from the United States, saying that we're not, we ne- we're not criminals, which is fine. 
Um, I was a little nervous. <sighs> I wasn't nervous. No, I was I'm just joking. How long it took, and God forbid that our, they didn't read the fingerprints right. Because That's what I was nervous about. Literally, this was five months. You send it away and you wait um, because we're not in. We don't have an address inside of the states. You can't use any of the the um, services that to expedite it. They'll only mail it back to an address in the states, where you, which is fine. Let say mail it to a family member. Yeah, but they only put your, they only put the address on the 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 document that you give that they're mailing it to. So they won't put, mail it to my brother, let's say in New York, but put the, ad, my address here in Italy on the document itself. The document has to match the envelope and the place that it's going. My favorite part of it was we got our fingerprints done the same day. I sent them off the packets for the two of us, separate packets on the same day. We <laughs> saw on the credit card statement that one day apart, our credit cards were charged for the fingerprint um, processing Jason promptly received his, uh, and then... I received mine at the beginning of August. Mine came now in the beginning of September. Why did mine take one month later to... That means that's on the Italian mail system side. Oh, you can see the postmark. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) Here's the problem, though. These things are like milk. Oh, shit, that's true. Italy will not accept them after they're uh, more than six months old, these documents. Here's the problem. It's on the day that they print them in Washington, D.C., not the day that you get it in your hot little hands. So This month of extra... This month of extra time. So ours were printed in mid-July. Here we are in almost now mid-September. So we've already lost July... August. We've already, so now we're only four months away. What happens if it takes the Italians four months to get to these packets that we're mailing out? Now they, they're going through our packet and they say, oh, your criminal history report is more than six months old. So we're going to need a new one of those. That is my fear. Mm-hmm. It's a big fear. It's true. This is why timelines are, are very important this in working backwards. This is why backwards. in our consulting workshop, we harp on the timeline. You have to have a timeline. And even when you try – even Oh, we, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got a timeline, baby. We, we've – like there's some things you just can't account for and those are the – Italian. That's Italians and the life and postal systems and you just can't account for it and you need to have a fudge factor for mm-hmm. it. So we'll see. I would I, – I think this is going to be pretty damn close. I do too. I do too. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about on this podcast today? Because it's time to wrap it up um, to get the day going. Yeah, we got lots of movement today. People going, people coming. Yep. Uh, oh, that's good. That's a good <laughs> good sound. Um, I don't have anything else I wanted to say. We had a great time during our pickle preserving confit workshop. We got a lot of uh, pickled peppers. I am loving the confit. I know it's not traditionally Italian, but the preserving under fat. It's probably one of my favorite ways to preserve. (laughs) And it comes out so beautiful. The rabbit especially I love. Um, And yeah, otherwise we've got our truffle um, hunting holidays coming up in the end of August or October and the beginning of November. And we have a couple two-night packages, two, three-night packages left available as well at the end of September, mid-October. Consulting classes, consulting workshop is sold out. Sold out, baby. So if you would like to get, um, if you are interested in moving to Italy and recall, oh, I know what we wanted to talk about, this last thing, sorry. Oh, yeah, you read it. I didn't know if it was Okay, so it. there is this website called The Local. Uh, they have local, it's for expats in it. They have the local dot eat, the local for like dot Local dot IT. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> local dot IT. Anyway, it's a real crappy, it's a real crappy website. I mean, it's not very good news and the writing is for children and uh, 
I don't know. It's terrible. But anyway, they had something that caught my eye today. The title. Not such a dolce vita. Italy, Italy, Italy ranked among worst countries for expat life. And it's that typical headline-grabbing bullshit because when you read down in it, it's like, yeah, for working in Italy, Italy is ranked the worst. But for quality of life, it's the highest and for blah, blah, blah. Basically, what it's saying is... Italy, don't be fooled. Italy, like any other country, has its perks and it has its flaws. You have to weigh the good to the bad. I tell, I was just saying this to someone else. The quality of life outweighs the bureaucracy and bullshit for us by a lot. The, it's just a beautiful place to live. You've got to separate all the other crap from it. But don't fool yourselves. This is not, you have to work for the Dolce. There's no such thing as the Dolce Vita. Exactly. Here's who has the Dolce Vita. Rich people and lottery winners and people who just want to sit on their ass and do nothing all day. That's that. But yeah. for real people, it's <laughs> still a life. You have to get up. You have to go to work. You have to, you know, you have bills. Your to garden pay. doesn't just grow. Like, you still need to put effort into it. So to think you're going to walk around in the sunshine with a glass of wine in your hand and you're going to just, I'll just find work. You're an idiot. That's not reality. It's not reality in, in anywhere the, the where you live either. So, you know, Italy was ranked lowly 60 out of 65th countries based on factors including quality of life, work abroad, and ease of settling in. Well, but then, then let's read down a little bit more. Well, I definitely wouldn't suggest coming to Italy to... Find work. Find work. You need to create your own. Bring it, create something here... That is a possibility, and you can kill it by doing that. And if you, if you do it right, but if you're thinking you're going to come and find a job or teach English somewhere, it's that's hard. There's a lot of other people thinking the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to go ahead and teach English. Well, you and every other Momo expat who moves here, so you're going to have to figure out how you're going to make a life here. And basically, this article says that you have to learn Italian. Of course, you have to learn Italian, and. Um, Career prospects. There, there's not a seventeen. Seventeen um, percent say they're satisfied with the with the availability of work in Italy. Well, yeah, no kidding. It's all over Europe. It's not just Italy. So, um, they say five countries were lower than Italy: Greece, Kuwait, Nicaragua, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia. No, well, Nigeria. Oh, is that <laughs> not Nicaragua? Oh, Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Um, so yeah, it's just hysterical. It's, it's, and it's all what you put into it. I mean, it's your attitude. It's your effort. It's how much did you prepare for your move here that you're um, properly prepared to move in another country? Did you learn the language? Exactly. Like, are these you are making things, an effort or yeah. do you just expect everything, everyone and everybody to come and just because you're here. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm here now. Or so. you want it to be how it was back home, wherever that may be. So it's just a stupid article on a stupid website. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you shared it. We're being positive. We have posmans. We have to end with a posman. Posman. <laughs> All right. Oh, I have a posman. Right, here we go. We'll end with this. My ladies, my chickens, after taking a little break at the end of August because it was just so damn hot, they'd walk around with their with their mouths open and their arm, and their pits and their, up. their wings up so the air would move through their pits. My ladies, yesterday, nine ladies laid twelve eggs. Don't know how that happened. Me, me neither. But I'll tell you, they weren't in where they were supposed to be the, for the whole time. This whole season, normally they just lay right in their boxes in the coop like good little girls well i think they're lazy they are enjoying being out so much walking around in the free range and we've been letting the door openly in the door earlier since it got hotter and uh they have found a tree 
that they are putting all their eggs under as well as on the side of our house uh, under some like yard hosing and it's like one of the hens is putting it in the weirdest spot it does not look comfortable it's very awkward it's around like equipment like farming equipment she has to walk through but the others have found this great tree so thank god we found the tree we just have to go to the tree every day and pick up the eggs under the tree but they're good. And I said, how do you think they knew to all go to this tree? And Jason immediately was like, you got an alpha hen. She tells him, she makes the announcement. There's a staff meeting, something I don't know, but they all are placing the eggs under the good tree. Spot. It's a good spot. All right. Time to get to work. I can't believe how late it is. I know. Um, me neither. We got breakfast to serve. We got breakfast to serve. We got rain coming this afternoon, I hope. And that's going to do it. Like I said, quick and dirty. We're all over the place. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, follow us. Uh, follow us. Follow I'll do Ash. it. Okay, you do I'll it. wrap it up. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, all at Latavola Marque, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E. Shoot us an email at info at latavalamarque.com you can follow me on instagram at ashley bartner and we hope to see you guys out here at our farmhouse and cooking school this fall and until next time arrivederci ciao ciao thanks for listening bye sentire media Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.